I'm going to invite Ken to go ahead and play this video, in, in, or Nancy. So we are created for much more, aren't we? We are created to live for Jesus and be like Jesus and sacrificing for other people and making an eternal impact. Think about what we do, what we do in our day-to-day life and what do we do in our day-to-day life that is eternal value, eternal merit. Jesus talked to us about not storing up treasures on earth where thieves break in and steal and moth and rust corrupt. Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Jesus challenged us, encouraged us, exhorted us to store up treasures in heaven. Think about your relationships at this point. You know, we are all influencing other people for good or for bad. You are, we are, we are all influencing other people one way or another. I like the skit and I really appreciate Lynn leading that and Blaine and Billy and Gary uh, doing the skit and Barb, of course, with this skit and Megan was back on lights and they helped on sound. It reminded us, you know, the influence that we can have with our neighbors. It's interesting, we were going to have this skit last week and then it was going to be next week and then it fell today and that works perfectly because we're going to talk about sharing Christ in our relationships. We're going to talk about building relationships with non-Christians. So we can have good friendships, of course, but we can also share the gospel with them. When we think of the phrase relational evangelism, the operative word is evangelism. The operative word is not relationships. <laughs> we build relationships with people on a day-to-day basis, but if we don't share the gospel with them, we're not really loving them. You realize that? If we call people our friends and we say we love them, But we never share Jesus with them. We really don't love them. At the end of the day, they're on a track towards hell, not towards heaven with us. And also at the end of the day, they don't have the relationship with Jesus that we have. 
Many times we focus on our Christian life just being about eternal life, but it's so much more. It's about life now, the fullness of life now, the abundant life that Jesus gives us now, John 10.10 and John 15 about being connected to him. If we think about Philippians 2, 5 through 11, Jesus died for our need, but what was the need? We needed salvation. Jesus went to the cross to meet that need. Jesus gave himself up for us. Who are we giving ourselves up for in a day-to-day way? I was researching this message, and I was reading from the book, Becoming a Contagious Christian. There's a Sunday school material, Becoming a Contagious Christian, and there's a book, Becoming a Contagious Christian. As I was reading the book, I was, I was encouraged because the most effective evangelism is not door-to-door what we might call cold-call evangelism. That's not the most effective evangelism. There's nothing wrong with sharing the gospel in a door-to-door way, but the best fertile ground is in your relationships. If you want to be used of Jesus, be a friend. But don't stop there. Be a friend and share Jesus with your friends. The book, um, the book actually reads with this. It says, the fact is, all of us experience discomfort when someone outside our circle of friends tries to influence us about personal, significant matters. We all naturally gravitate toward, gravitate, gravitate toward people we already know and trust. Friends listen to friends. They confide in friends. They let friends influence them. They buy from friends. And that's true of both products and ideas. So if we are going to impact our world for Christ, the most effective approach will be through friendships with those who need to be reached. We'll have to get close to them so they can see that we genuinely care about them individually and that we have their best interest in mind. Over time, that will earn their trust and respect. Build relationships and share the gospel in those relationships. Share Jesus in those relationships. My theme today is build relationships and share the gospel. Build relationships and share the gospel. Let's read Luke 5, 27 through 32. This passage is about Jesus, and it says, After that, he, and that's Jesus, after that, Jesus went out and he noticed a tax collector named Levi. Now stop right there. You may know Levi as Matthew. Matthew and Levi are the same guy. He noticed a tax collector named Levi sitting in the tax booth. And Jesus said to him, follow me. And he left everything behind and got up and began to follow him. And Levi gave a big reception for Jesus in his house. Levi threw a big party For Jesus at his house. And there was a great crowd of tax collectors and other people who were reclining at the table with them. The Pharisees and their scribes began grumbling at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus goes to the sinners. To reach them and share God's love with them. Let's talk about the passage. Jesus talks to Levi. Now remember, as I just said, Levi is Matthew. And Jesus says to Levi, follow me. And Levi immediately follows Jesus. 
immediately. There are no questions asked. He just drops everything, closes up his tax business, puts a sign on the door saying, gone with Jesus, whatever, and he just follows Jesus. He takes away his shingle, his tax shingle, and follows Jesus. No questions asked. It could be that Jesus and Levi knew each other, and Jesus and Levi had had, question, had, had conversations in the past. It could be that Maybe, maybe Jesus told Levi, hey, someday I might come and ask you to follow me. I'm talking to the Father about it. I don't know. But right now, all we know is Jesus goes to him and says, follow me. He gets up and follows Jesus. When he decided to follow Jesus, there was no turning back. And we see that with all the disciples, really. No turning back. Luke 9, 23, Jesus said, anyone can come after me, but he must deny himself, take up his cross every day, and follow. No turning back. Verse 29 shows this to be true. Here is Levi. He was a new believer. And what did he do? He decided to share this with others. He decided to have a party. The material called Becoming a Contagious Christian calls this a Matthew party. After Levi, after Matthew. We would think that Matthew, we would think that Levi would invite the religious people to his party. In order to communicate, I'm one of you, wouldn't we? We would think that. We would think that he wouldn't invite all his, his old sinner friends. He would invite the religious people. I'm one of you. I want to show that I'm one of you. He didn't do that. We see that religious people are there. We see that Jesus is there. But he invited the other tax collectors. Tax collectors were known as thieves in that day and age. When you went to pay your taxes... There wasn't enough government oversight, and they, I don't know how they would do that. Maybe the government was okay with it. And so the tax collector would say, you owe me uh, this much, and uh, a bulk of that certainly goes to the Roman government, the local government, and a percentage they took off the top. So they were known as thieves. They were known as sinners. They were bad people to them during that day and age. But Matthew invited them over. Matthew invited all his other tax collector friends over to this party. What else did Matthew do? He invited them to his house. Matthew was willing to sacrifice his own home and pretty much have them over for barbecue. Now, I don't know if they really had barbecue back then, but I like to pretend they did because I like a good barbecue. But I think it might be original to the United States. Somebody can correct me later. Either way, he invites them over for a get-together. He invites them over for a get-together. This is an evangelism principle called barbecue first. Okay? It's not literally barbecue first. The idea is that we have to get to know people as we share the gospel with them. Get to know people before you share the gospel with them. As you get to know them, as you have dinner with them and cookouts with them and lunch with them or share sporting events together, as you get to know them, you have trust to share the gospel. They trust you. They confide in you. And they will listen to you more. I look at this passage and I think, I must be willing to host others, host non-believers in my home for the gospel. Think about it. Are you? Are we? Do you try to connect with those you know who are non-believers? Are you praying, we talked about this last week, are you praying for opportunities to share the gospel with non-believers? Are you praying for opportunities to get to know your neighbors? Then we all must build relationships 
so we can share the gospel with people. Now, I hate to say it that way because it sounds like we are only building the relationship so that we can share the gospel with them. And, of course, if they don't have the gospel and if we don't have the gospel, we don't have nothing in the end. But hopefully we want to build relationships with people because we love them. We're called to love God and we're called to love other people. And hopefully that matters to us. You know, we have a continuing problem across this country right now. We know a thousand people maybe, but they're an inch deep. We have a thousand relationships an inch deep, a mile wide, an inch deep. We need depth of relationships. God calls us to have depth in our relationships. We need to get to know our neighbors. So these people now are, are all at Matthew's house, and you know how, who else is there? Jesus is there. They're all at Matthew's house, and Jesus is there. Jesus was later called a sinner because he ate with them. Jesus was even called a drunkard because he ate with these people. Jesus didn't care. He wanted to get to know them. He wanted to meet their real need. Jesus is there, and they're all telling jokes, and they're all having a party together. I don't know what jokes they told, but I believe that Jesus had a good sense of humor. They're all partying. They're all getting to know each other. And sometimes this is tough. Do we have many non-Christian friends? You know, I, I strongly believe that we as Christians need strong Christian relationships. We need to be close connected to the church. We need prayer partners and accountability partners who are part of the church, who are strong Christians. We need to be held accountable with the, from, from people with a Christian worldview. However, that Jesus said we're to be in the world but not of the world. Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians 5, verses 9 through 13. We're called to have non-Christian friends as well. I like it in the, in the book uh, God Space by Doug Pollock. He says something to the effect of, do you get invited to your non-believers' parties? Most of the time we don't. Most of the time, once we get saved, once we become a Christian, we gradually gravitate towards other Christians and push our non-Christians away. But those people, we can still be friends with them. It's okay. We just have a different worldview. We have a different view of morality. But they need the gospel. We need to build relationships with non-Christians. We are the church. And the church leaves the building every week. And one of the best ways that we are to be the church is in our relationships with other people. Build relationships with non-Christians. We have a problem right now. Many times we go home and we're driving our car and the windows are up and we pull in the garage door. The garage, we hopefully don't pull in the garage door. We open the garage door. We pull in the garage. We close the garage door. We go in the house where the windows are down. We go to the back deck, not the front porch. And we never see our neighbors. We never get to know them. We're isolated. It's a totally different world than it used to be, isn't it? Totally different. I read books in college about small group ministry, and they said we went from being a front porch society to a back patio, to a back deck society. We need to get to know our neighbors. And I understand the problem. I'm an introvert, so I really don't like people. And uh, <laughs> I'm being a little kid, joking a little bit there, but I, don't re I recharge more with quiet time and time by myself. But we do need to get to know our neighbors. We do need to get to know our coworkers, our friends, our family members. We have nothing to be afraid of, you know, the, of sin and things like that. We don't go into the sin, but we build relationships with them. We share the gospel out of those relationships. 
So where do you find people? Suppose that you want to be a relational evangelist. That's what this is called. It's called relational evangelism. Where do you find these people? Suppose that you want to build relationships with non-Christians, but you wonder where to find people. So think about some things. Think about ways to get together with people you know. Are there relationships that could go deeper? Are there relationships with people that you know, but they're just surface level? You could go deeper in those relationships. What about people you used to know? Are there relationships that you can reconnect with? purposefully, intentionally reconnect with? Are there people on your mind where you can think, I haven't called them in a while, I haven't seen them, let me reconnect with them? What about people you would like to know? Are there people that you can connect with but just haven't? You haven't connected with them. What about having a block party to get to know your neighbors? Hosting a block party. There's also, by the way, uh, the idea about strategically shopping at the same place. And when you get your gas there or buy your lunch there, you go inside, and it's called strategic consumerism. You get to know the people where you shop. What about, uh, there's another idea. What about having a few neighbors over for dinner? Get to know them. I like this next idea. Um, what about having a pie party? I like pies. So what about having a pie party? You invite people over, and everybody stops and picks up a pie on their way home from work, and you share a pie with each other. What about having a holiday party? You know, we got Resurrection Sunday coming up, and soon after that Mother's Day and Memorial Day and July 4th and Labor Day. What about having a holiday get-together? Go golfing with other people. You know, I was listening to something on Focus in the Family a few years ago, and this person shared an idea. She had a picnic table delivered to her house. So it's dropped off by the picnic table deliverer. And they said, where do you want to put me to put the picnic table? And she said, oh, just put it in the front yard. We'll move it later. And it was like right by the curb, right by the road or by the sidewalk, something like that. And as she looked at it, she thought, you know, we don't really notice our neighbors. We don't really know them. Let's just leave it there. So they left it there. They started eating meals at this picnic table in the front yard near the sidewalk, near the street, and they even painted it this weird color like purple or pink or something. So it just stood out. But as they did it, people started stopping by and talking to them, and they got to know their neighbors that way. Remember last week I shared uh, Rosaria Butterfield about her and her book that called The Gospel Comes with a House Key, where she talked about getting to know your neighbors, having them over, building relationships. We need to be relational. God wants us to be relational as Christians. Share everyday activities with others. Go golfing with other people. Watch the game together. Make sure that you're looking to transition to spiritual conversations. Pray for opportunities to share, to, to bring up spiritual conversations. It may not be the gospel. Don't have your target goal as getting to this sinner's prayer. Just try to transition to God's space. Try to transition to spiritual conversations. Don't wait too long to tell people you are a Christian. Don't get drunk even if they are. That shouldn't need to be said, but it's so true, okay? You don't want to be like the world, you know, in your conduct, in your talk, in your language. Be a Christian in darkness. 
If people are sharing something, ask if you can pray for them. If people are commenting on scenery or something like that, give credit to God. If you're watching a football game, sometimes you see people kneeling to pray. It's easy. Say, look, both teams are praying. I wonder who's God's favorite. You know, Do things like that to try to transition to the spiritual. Besides, they say that the Cowboys are God's favorite. That's why there's a hole in the stadium so God can watch. No, the Eagles... Okay. Anyways, you know, look for opportunities to transition to the spiritual. Health clubs are good opportunities to meet people. Sporting opportunities are good opportunities. Be creative. God will use your relationships. Most people come to know Christ as Lord and Savior through relationships. Be relational as you are contagious. Build relationships and introduce your friends to your best friend, and hopefully that's Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Look, this is important all the time. It's always important, but it's more important for us right now. I'm going to tell you something that I think you all know. Bethel Friends has not been growing younger. I mean, I noticed myself, I'm not getting younger, I'm getting older, and our congregation is the same. We need to be intentional reaching out to younger families, and we need to be intentional praying for opportunities to share the faith with younger families. This is a great opportunity for you to build mentor relationships, mentor relationships with younger people. There's a ministry starting in Alliance the first or second year that I was there serving as a pastor called Men's Challenge, and they tried to connect and they did quite successfully and even spread to Canton and Maslin, they tried to intentionally connect with younger men who never had a fatherly influence, teaching them how to apply for jobs and interview for jobs and and write resumes and teaching them work skills. And as part of that, it was expected or at least requested that they would have a mentor. It's a great opportunity for a Christian to serve as a mentor with younger people. That's a great opportunity I see within Bethel Friends Congregation. It takes some sacrifice. It takes some, some time away from family or time away from home. With, with the people who are mentors with Men's Challenge, it's one evening a week or one evening a month or something like that, meeting with their mentor. It's a great opportunity. We need to build relationships and connect with people to share the love of Christ and be a loving friend. This, this, this world right now is hurting for close relationships. They're desperate for close relationships in more ways than they even understand and in more ways than they even know. I told you about that principle, barbecue first, meaning that the idea that you build relationships and then you talk about the spiritual. The book Becoming a Contagious Christian shares the following. It says, Mark learned this lesson the hard way. The lesson of barbecue first. It happened a few weeks ago when our church was putting on a week-long presentation that combined contemporary music and drama to communicate Christianity to people who don't normally go to church. He had bought four tickets for the Friday night performance. And along with his wife, Heidi, he had invited another couple. But that couple canceled at the last minute. Now it was the day of the event. And they were holding two extra tickets with no one to bring. Mark drove home from the office that evening, and as he turned into his driveway, he saw the young couple who lived next door walking on the sidewalk in front of his house. They weren't married. They had had shown no inclination towards spiritual interest, and he only knew them by their first names. Still, Mark figured, why not give it a shot? Mark said, hey, Scott, 
I was wondering if you two are busy tonight. You see, I've got these two extra tickets to a concert at our church. He quickly tried to dispel any stereotypes they might have had and to convey that this would feature music they'd really like, that there would be professional quality and up-to-date drama, good sound and lighting, and so on. And then he asked if they would like to go. Push the pause button right there. If you think along the lines I do, you're probably admiring the confidence Mark showed in forthrightly explaining this opportunity and inviting a couple he'd barely even met. It was the kind of thing a lot of us think about doing but find it hard to muster the needed courage. The only problem, as he found out, was that it was probably too bold and too quick. It risked the possibility of scaring them away, not only from them, but also from future chances for interaction. Listen to this. Scott glanced shyly at his girlfriend for a moment, and then he looked at the ground. Somewhat awkwardly, he finally said, Um, thanks anyway, but I don't think we'll go this time. But, well, if you'd ever like to get together in the backyard for a barbecue, let us know. They weren't willing to go to a church event yet, but they would be willing to go just to get together at the neighbor's house for a cookout. As they walked away, Mark thought to himself, why didn't I think of that? In fact, that's the very thing I've been teaching in my evangelism seminar for years. You've got to barbecue first. It's so important that we make investments in friendships, what I sometimes call paying relational rent, in order to gain the person's trust and respect, as well as to earn the right to talk to them about spiritual issues. Interestingly, Mark did follow up later with Scott. After a few weeks, he called him and suggested that the four of them see a movie, then go out for dessert afterwards. When the night came, Mark and his wife Heidi decided that they would not bring up topics related to church or Christianity. They knew they'd already gone too fast. They determined to barbecue several times first, to build the relationship before they, before they share the gospel, to earn their trust. But get this. But to their surprise, that same night in the restaurant, Scott himself asked some questions of a spiritual nature. This time, Scott himself brought it up. There's a pastor who I know of, large, large church. He's not there anymore. But he was out sailing one day. And as he was sailing, he saw another boat on the lake. And eventually, he steered over to that boat. I don't know how it happened. Maybe they were close together, sailing by, and they started talking to each other. And they ended up cooking together and hanging out together and talking with one another. And as they were about to leave, they didn't bring up the gospel at all. I'm sure he was praying for opportunities to share the gospel, praying that God would create a so-called divine appointment. But as they were about to go to their other boat, the guy in the boat said, and they just met him, the guy in the boat said, hey... I've always wanted to ask a Christian, how do you become one? It's like, wow, God set it up. So my encouragement to all of us is that we build relationships with non-Christians. Be intentional to get to know your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, your family members, your past friends and past coworkers, and try to build that relationship. And out of that relationship of trust, share the gospel with them. Don't push it, but do wait for the opportunity and start with prayer. Pray and pray and pray and pray about it first. This is my handy-dandy rope. I've used it for illustrations before, and I'm going to do a different illustration with it today as I kind of casually unravel it. I'm going to try to 
Every time I do this, it doesn't unravel good. But we're going to pretend that this rope goes all along the congregation, all throughout this place. And suppose that it goes on forever and ever throughout this room, and then it goes out for eternity after that, too. I told you, this is just comic relief. It worked this morning in my, in my practice. Just making sure you're awake. Okay, here's... There we go. Just imagine this rope goes forever and ever. You know, it's long enough to go throughout the whole congregation. And suppose that this part right here is your life. It goes on and on. You know, this end goes throughout all eternity. This rope represents eternity. This part over here, it, it's only tangled because it goes for all eternity. This part right here is your life. Where my left fingers are, this is your retirement. Most people put all of their perspective, all of their emphasis, all of their money, all of their time, all their energy on this little section. Their life, and especially on this little section, their retirement. In Matthew 6, 19 through 21, Jesus says, Do not store up treasures for yourself on earth, where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven. When we are focusing our relationships on the spiritual, on the eternal, we are focusing our life on the next life, on eternity. We're not just focusing on this section. We're focusing on the rest of the rope, on all eternity. So I challenge you, I encourage you, focus on eternity with your life. Focus on eternity with your prayers by praying gospel-centered prayers. When we pray for opportunities to share the gospel, we are praying a prayer that we know God wants. God wants the people you know to know him. If they already know him, God still wants you to talk about the spiritual. God wants us to talk about the gospel. Angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents. Share the gospel. Focus on eternity. Pray that way. And let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, right now we come to you and, Lord God, I pray first and foremost that we know you. We in our congregation here at Bethel, friends, that we really do know you as Lord and Savior. And we do really have a relationship with you. A relationship of John 15. You are the vine, we are the branches, Lord. We cannot build, we cannot uh, have fruit, bear fruit on our own. We have to be connected to you, Lord. Help us to be connected to you. And out of that connection with you, Lord, I pray that we are sharing the gospel with other people. Lord God, we have the fullness of life that you offer. But we are called to share that light and share that life with other people. Lord God, I pray that you would lead us. I pray, Lord God, that this week, as we have quiet time with you, and I pray that we do have quiet time with you this week, I ask, oh Lord, that you will convict us of people that we can build relationships with or renew relationships with. And you will lead us in sharing them, sharing with them, you. That we can introduce our friends with our best friend, you, Jesus. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Please stand for the closing hymn if you are able.